Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, the 737 MAX takes another step forward in its recertification. But why was one flying over Europe last week? Air France says au revoir to the Airbus A380, and I'll give you the rundown of Qantas's three-year COVID recovery plans and what it means for the airline. I'll look at his, a historic day for Lufthansa, and we'll share some thoughts on the UK's new patriotic makeover for its VIP transport aircraft. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. So I thought we'd kick off today with uh, a bit of an update on the Boeing 737 MAX. We seem to spend so much time these days talking about the coronavirus mm. issues. We've that, forgotten uh, about the 737 MAX. I feel like we've it almost It used been... to be the hot topic. Yeah, but <laughs> we've been It's a bit like Boeing Brexit. Here. It's kind of uh, disappeared into the background while we're all thinking about something else. But mm. uh, it is still ticking along. Um, so I'm speaking today on Monday. Um, I know this doesn't go out till later in the week, so we may have more news then as well. But today, we should see the 737 MAX taking some important recertification flights. Um, So, as people will know, it's been grounded since March last year, following those two disastrous um, accidents. Incidents. Um, So, incidents, accidents. So, the test flights will begin today, and it's going to involve pilots both from the FAA and from Boeing. Um, The airline has, the aircraft rather, has already flown, of course, um, quite a few times, actually. I think it's like a thousand times or something crazy. Um, But these are the key flights that will ensure its airworthiness. So it's a massive step forwards towards recertification. Um, From what I can gather, they'll be doing all sorts of things to really put it through its paces. Um, Touch and go landings, steep banking turns, um, mid-air situations, whatever those are. I guess it means like, is the plane going to try and drive into the ground or not? Um, and all sorts of other scenarios. So they are evaluating, of course, the MCAS, which is believed to be the system responsible for the two uh, incidents. Um, But there's been some other fixes as well. There's various other bits of software and hardware been tweaked. So it's really sort of, um, I I believe there's going to be flights over the next three days, which are really kind of designed to ensure it's 100% airworthy. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the final hurdle before we really get into the recertification push. Um, So, after the three-day flight program, we learned last week that FAA administrator Stephen Dixon is actually going to fly it himself before it's signed off. And I think that's going to be a huge vote of confidence, you know, to have the FAA chief give it his seal of approval. And he's a very experienced 737 pilot, um, although he's only flown the max in simulator situations so far, prior to... um, Prior to now, he has flown other types of 737, so he understands how they should behave. Um, But this isn't the last thing. It's going to be a little while yet. Um, There's still lots more things to go. So all the flight data from these three days of tests needs to be fully analysed. And then, of course, these are just the FAA tests. So um, EASA, which is the European equivalent of the FAA, they want to do their own certification. Transport Canada wants to do its own certification. I believe other regulators around the world, 
potentially um, in uh, the Asia and um, Australia, um, probably everyone actually, nobody's really taking their cue from the FAA anymore. They want to kind of check it out for themselves, which is understandable, I guess. So they're saying it's likely going to be September before we'll see it operating any commercial flights. So you can imagine my surprise <laughs> when we looked on flight radar last week and there was um, a 737 MAX flying across Europe, but not just a 737 MAX, but a 737 MAX from an essentially defunct airline. So uh, this little 737 MAX 8 took off from Milan in Air Italy livery. Um, and keen fans of Simple Flying will know that Air Italy entered liquidation uh, some time ago now, some months ago. Um, they had obviously no passengers in board. There were specially trained pilots. Um, and this MAX 8 was going from Milan over to um, Budapest Airport. Um, the reason for this appears to be that it's going to go into storage and have some maintenance done on it. And it's going to kind of stay there until some other airline wants it. It's less than two years old. So, um, you know, it's likely that an airline will take it up once, uh, once they're recertified to fly. Um, and airlines are allowed to do this. We've seen quite a few MAXs kind of shuttled around the world for various reasons. So one notable one, I think we saw Iceland Air just before the winter, they shuttled theirs down to Spain because obviously Iceland's rather cold and a bit damp and not very good for storing aircraft. So they sent theirs off down to the warmth of Spain. Um, but I was reading about this and when you do these flights, you have to get permission from the owner of every airspace you fly through. Um, so the one from um, Milan, for instance, took rather a, an odd route, I guess to minimize the airspace that it flew through. So it only really touched on Italy, Austria, and then straight into Hungary, whereas a more direct route would have taken in possibly a couple of other countries' airspace. But I guess they wanted to maybe minimize the amount of administration they had to do for that. Well, um, I know it's definitely banned from flying in Germany, full stop. So that ah, would explain okay. why it avoided German's airspace. But... Yeah, I guess Austria gave them permission. And mm. to be fair, it only flew over the Alps of Austria. So mm. <laughs> it wasn't really near many uh, points of civilization. And of course, they have to fly it in a special way, don't they? With mm. the, I think low and slow is the key with the flaps deployed. So um, I think yeah, we looked at the air Italy one and it was... Uh, my understanding is on. that when the flats are, flaps are down, it de disables the MCAS system. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I did wonder about that. I didn't know if that was just to maybe keep the speed down, but uh, the Air Italy one didn't go any higher than um, 18,000 feet. Mm. Um, and it was going at around 230 knots airspeed, which I understand is, you know, a good sort of 200 knots slower than it would normally fly. Mm. Um, but interestingly, there's another two that are going to be doing exactly the same thing because Air Italy had three, all leased from Qatar. Uh, from Qatar, Etihad Airways. No, it was Qatar. We discussed it last oh, week. It? Oh yes, we did, didn't we? Sorry, my brain's on Monday <laughs> mode. Um, so there's another two that are also in Milan, and they will be going to Budapest as well. They may even have gone by the time this podcast goes out. But if you're a, an avid fan, keep an eye on flight radar, or if you happen to live in the north of Italy, keep an eye on the sky because you might see a, a Boeing seven three seven Max several months before any of the rest of the world does. So there we go. That's that's my Max update. Um, Tom, what's been going on with uh, Air France and their rather larger Airbus aircraft? 
So yeah, um, Air France uh, bid au revoir to its last Airbus A380, sadly on Friday. Um, it's now become the first carrier to completely scrap the type. Because um, of course, Singapore was the first airline to um, retire the A380, but it's only retired, I think, two or three so far, maybe four out of its fleet of um, in, over 10. So um, yeah. So yeah, Friday saw the aircraft's final flight um, with a very special flight number. It was given the number Air France 380. So it was AF380. <laughs> very fitting. Um, <laughs> and it was a very exclusive flight. You could not buy tickets um, to travel on this flight. It was, um, it was very fitting how Air France chose who was on the flight, though. They picked... Um, picked members of staff who had been serving on the A380 during its 10 so years with the airline. And it's sad because this air aircraft that did operate the flight is less than nine years old and it's already being oh. retired. Um, oh, that's a short lifespan for a big plane like that. Well, for any plane, really. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Um but the aircraft took off at just before four o'clock local time, and it flew sort of roughly south towards Montpellier. And what I thought was a really big shame is that it was doing this sort of loop over France, and it didn't go over Toulouse. Oh, that was its home. Yeah, that's, that's where, where it, it was, was born. born. So um, <laughs> I thought that would have been sort of, I thought that would have been a good idea. Um, but it did have a little sort of Airbus connotation to it because it had a little uh, rendezvous over the Gulf of Lyon or, or Lyon, however that's pronounced. Um, and what happened was the aircraft met up with an Air France A350 um, that hasn't been delivered yet. So it was an Airbus test hmm. flight uh, prior to delivery, but the aircraft was in Air France's livery and they sort of oh. did a little dance over the sea um, before the Air France A380 returned back north to Paris. And Do you think that was planned or was that just a coincidence? I'd like to say it was a coincidence, but I think it was probably planned. Um, <laughs> kind of sweet though, old meets new and yeah, yeah leaving meets arriving. It's uh, yeah, very pertinent. Yeah, so um, that was really nice. Um, but the final flight landed at... 1818 on Friday, marking the end of an era for Air France. And now all of the aircraft are on their way to be scrapped. Um, some have already gone down to Tyrell in Spain um, with a couple of Lufthansa's A380s. I think a couple have been to Tarbes as well, um, but I'm not 100% wow. sure off the top of my head. Um, That's a Tarmac Aero save down there, isn't it? Yeah, both of them are Tarmac Aero save. Oh, are they? Yep. Um they did the first ever scrapping of an A380. Yeah. And uh, I was reading all about that, and it's quite involved, actually, all the mm. things that go into getting rid of one of these giant planes. And uh, an awful lot of it just goes in, well, I would say the bin, but do you know what I mean? The recycling, it's not kind of repurposed, which seems a shame because I'd love a bit of an A380 to turn into a, a desk or a bit of wall art, you know? Mm. Well, you can always get a bit for a key ring from Aviation Tech. <laughs> nice plug. Are they paying you to say no, that? No, they should pay me for that. <laughs> they should just, I'd just be happy to be paid with a key ring. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not just Air France that has grounded the A380. So um, do you want to tell us a bit more about the effects on the giant of the skies being grounded for premium passengers, Joe? 
Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, um, a lot of airlines, obviously the A380 was the first to really leave the fleets when people started grounding their their aircraft because it is the biggest and the least efficient. And when you haven't got a lot of passengers, there's no reason to fly it. So um, it was the first to leave and it will be the last to return. And obviously for some airlines like Air France, it won't come back at all. Um, So I was looking at really the effect of this on the kind of availability of first class seats. Um, And Etihad... um, they've pulled all their A380s. It does have a few first-class seats on board its 777s and 787s, but not all of them. And of course, it has the residence, which is on the A380. So that has left the fleet and that will not be coming back until at least next year. Um, It could be longer than that. Um, I'm going to give a bit of an update in a minute on Qantas. um, But part of that update is that all 12 of its A380s are going to the Mojave Desert for storage. And that's until at least 2023. And that is all of its first class seats. So Qantas has no more first class seats whatsoever. Um, And actually six of them had their brand new first class product that had only been flying for a few months. So, you know, really sad for travellers and people that are collecting those Qantas flyer points in the hope of getting a a sweet little upgrade to the new first class product. Um, Lufthansa as well has fewer first class seats now. It's sent its A380s down to Spain for storage. Um, Half of them are never coming back. They've gone into what Lufthansa calls deep storage. Um, Seven are at Frankfurt and are being prepared for less deep storage, let's say. Um, So they haven't said how long the aircraft are going to be mothballed, but we don't think they'll be coming back anytime soon. It does have other first class seats on A330s and it's 7478s. Um, But the A380 obviously had the most and possibly the best. So that's a sad one. Um, And the last one I wanted to mention was Qatar. So they they grounded their entire A380 fleet um, quite early on back in March. Um, And the return of them's looking increasingly uncertain. I mean, they've kind of mulled the fact that it may not come back at all. Um, if it does come back, it won't come for at least a year from now. So, yeah. um, Well, at you least know, that's what we uh, saw in the schedules. It could possibly come yeah. back sooner, but don't count on it. <laughs> no, there's nothing in the schedules going forward, certainly for the IATA winter season. So um, that, again, is the entire loss of Qatar's first-class product. No other aircraft in the fleet have a first-class seat. Um there is some talk by Akbar al Bakr about a new ultra premium first class cabin on its forthcoming Boeing 7779, so 777X. And uh, these should begin delivering next year, but the first class seats won't be coming for a bit later. I think he said, you know, when the A380s were definitely retiring, that's when we'd see the introduction. So we're going to see Qatar without any first class seats unless the A380 comes back soon, you know, potentially for the next few years. So bit bit of an odd one for such an airline that's thought of as a, a kind of premium product, you yeah. know, and a, a premium airline. But, but I uh, mean, there we go. business class is pretty much like a lot of first classes. Well, it's better than quite a lot of first yeah, classes, isn't exactly. it, Tom? <laughs> okay, so talking about that Qantas update, should we press ahead with that? Yeah, go be my guest. Cool. So um, last week, Qantas had quite a huge press release type thing updating us on what it's calling its three-year COVID recovery plan, um, which essentially amounts to trying to cut the costs over the next three years by $10 billion or just over $10 billion. And the plan focuses on uh, what Alan Joyce is calling the three R's, which are right-sizing, restructuring and recapitalization. 
it all sounds very uh, complex, but in, you know, basic language, that means getting rid of some aircraft, getting rid of some people and slimlining their operations so they can be a more efficient airline going forwards. Um, there's approximately 15,000 Qantas employees who will remain stood down. So these people have already been kind of furloughed and they will remain furloughed for a bit longer. He didn't say exactly till when. Um, 6,000 of those people will be permanently removed from the workforce. So people that work on international are most likely to be most severely affected because Qantas isn't looking to do any international flights for some months. And in terms of fleet, they're saying that 100 of their aircraft will stay grounded for 12 months at least. So that's a huge proportion of their fleet. I think they've only got like, what is it, about 130 aircraft. They're not a huge airline in terms of like headcount. Um, they've pushed back deliveries of their A321neos and their 7879s. Um, and I already mentioned that they're parking their A380s um, over in California until at least 2023. There's been a bit of furore about that on, uh, on some of the forums because obviously Alice Springs is a big aircraft storage area that's just down the road from Qantas. So, um, you know, you've got to imagine that they kind of looked at costs and they looked at the facilities that could be provided and well, decided California would be better. I mean, a lot of the 747s have already ended up in the Mojave Desert anyway. So perhaps it's just yeah. a case of they already have a contract in place with Mojave as opposed to Alice Springs. So potentially. Yeah, there's been a bit of a fuss about it, though, about mm. keeping business in Australia and what have you. You can kind of understand what people are saying. But uh, so um, the, the last part of that one <laughs> was the thing that we said back in March. They are retiring the 747. And oh, we yes. said that back in March. And they said, no, we're not. It's coming back. Um, but now they've confirmed it. So, yes, the, the very last 747 flight was the one that we said was the last 747 flight for Qantas months and months ago. Um you know, I don't mean to sound so gleeful about it because it's very sad to see the Queen of the Skies retiring. It's got a long, long history with Qantas. But it is nice when you're proven right, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Um, it's a bit sad that they didn't really have some sort of farewell for the 747, you know, like Air France wasn't operating the A380 again but we talked about how they had the special one-off flight and perhaps something yeah. like that would have been nice for the 747 Oh it would have been, it really would have been and I guess there still is some room for that because although they've said it's not operating commercially anymore, they do still have some in Australia as far as yeah. I know so maybe think, they'll do something a little special flight or something I don't know. I think they only have one left in Australia now perhaps Is it? Yeah Oh, maybe that's the one then. Don't but, quote me uh, on that though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to, Tom, although you did just say that to everybody listening, mm. if anybody's still with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So that's what's going on down under. What's going on in your neck of the woods, Tom, with Lufthansa? Well, I mean, it's not my neck of the woods this week because I've been traveling finally after <laughs> months and months of um, no flights. But um, I mean, so have I really jealous. been traveling? Because I've ended up in house arrest in the UK. Sorry, quarantine. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Thursday was a historic day for the Lufthansa group. Um, and sort of given the airline situation, um, it was make or break because it was... Um, it was really make or break for the airline. Um, the airline's shareholders were due to vote on a bailout package, and this was worth 9 billion euros, which is about 10.1 billion for our US listeners out there. Um, and why was the vote really make or break for the airline? Well, that was because if the vote had not passed, the airline would have had to urgently seek insolvency protection. 
Um, now, what was interesting was only around 38% of shareholders had registered to attend the extraordinary general meeting. And this meant that a two-thirds majority was required for the deal to pass. Now, right. had like half of the people registered, then it would have been a simple majority. Um, but there was some real uncertainty to the deal uh, as to whether it would make it past shareholders because in the weeks leading up to the vote, there was so much drama in Germany, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. much. Um, the airline's largest si uh, single shareholder, Heinz Hermann Thieler, upped his share in the airline to 15%. And he also made it known in the Frankfurt newspapers that he wasn't really on board with the deal, which uh, mm -hmm. worried a lot of the Lufthansa board, like Carsten. Um, but I mean, in the last couple of days before the vote, he changed his tone. Um, and that was sort of because he thought it's, it was interest in the interest of the employees that they got the bailout. Yeah. And I mean, clearly in the end, um, there was no need to worry because after you and I watched six hours of questions <laughs> and answers um, from all of the shareholders, I think there were something like 621 questions in total. Yeah, a mind-numbing um, day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this um, this meeting started at 12 and then we finally found out at about quarter past six that <laughs> the deal had been passed by a staggering 98%. So um, Yeah, clearly, which was great news, but I kind of wish we'd just tuned in for the last 15 minutes well, yeah but we, the problem was we didn't know when the last 15 minutes would be um, um but yeah as such um Lufthansa's ongoing operations are now secured um which is good because I was slightly worried about my fly booking if they did have to file for insolvency protection um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it would have been huge if they'd, uh, you know, entered insolvency. You know, it's a huge airline and yeah, a lot I of mean, people's jobs on the line there. It's so. not, not just jobs, like um, outside of the aviation climate as well, it would have had a huge impact because they're one of the biggest carriers uh, in Europe, if not on the planet, when you look at the whole group. Um, yeah. It's certainly in terms of revenue. And um, I mean, if you just take out, uh, all the majority, like the, the number of uh, slots they were talking about having at Frankfurt was astonishing. Mm. If you just took out that whole operation, Frankfurt would turn from maybe an airport like, um, like one of the biggest, busiest airports in Europe to maybe like Frankfurt Hahn would be busier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would our, be crazy. For our US listeners who don't know what Frankfurt Hahn is, that's Ryanair's lovely little Frankfurt airport that's about 200 kilometers away in a separate federal state to Frankfurt. Yeah, but they list it as Frankfurt just so you think you're going to Frankfurt despite the three-hour mm. bus transfer. Yeah, it's only two of hours um, and they do actually oh. fly to Frankfurt now because um, often on off side topic there, I did fly to the UK on Saturday with Ryanair and that was really exciting because Terminal 2 at Frankfurt, which Ryanair always uses, is closed. So we ended up boarding the tiny 737 on a gate built for 747s um, with nice. loads of Lufthansa branding everywhere. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. No bus gate then. No, no, there was a jet bridge and everything. I, wow. was, I was blown away. This is, I was treated like royalty. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, even but just going through security, there was no queue. There was no one behind me. I had the whole process to myself. <laughs> it was genuinely oh. being like a VIP. <laughs> 
<laughs> private jet experience on mm. Ryanair. Amazing. But that bailout is huge. And that's the biggest bailout, I think, anywhere in the world today. I mean, you know, Lufthansa is a big airline and I completely understand that. But, you know, even the US airlines, like American Airlines, which is the biggest airline in the world, hasn't had anything like that amount of support, have they? No, they haven't. And it was um, interesting because going back to the idea of um, Ryanair there, um, somebody <laughs> was not happy. Um, and I'm, uh, I'll give you one guess as to who that was, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I need to name names or point fingers. I think we're all on board with uh, the person that hates Lufthansa the most right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I just, I love the comments though. I mean, how is it? It's just insane what he what is said about bailouts. Um, my favourite though was that when KLM got a bailout the day after, he said something along the lines of KLM being even quicker to, or the Dutch government being even quicker to reach for the checkbook than um, Merkel, which was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a fan of these bailouts. And I think he's threatened to, um, this is Michael O'Leary in case anybody's not guessed yet, but of course, um, who likened uh, Lufthansa to a drunk uncle at a wedding going around supping up all the half drunk bits of wine to kind of top themselves up anyway. Yeah, he's got very colourful language and I believe he wants to take Lufthansa to court, yep, um, to the KLM. European Commission. Yeah, and KLM. And I think he's already got something going in Sweden. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't think anything will come of it. The European Commission's already approved these bailouts. Yeah. So it's unlikely that his argument's going to get anywhere. But um, I guess he's got to make a stand for these things. Yeah, someone has to. <laughs> someone has to, and it can always be Mr. O'Leary. <laughs> but he is one of our favourite airline CEOs in terms of the, the colourful language and exciting things he says. So... Um, so from a, a very popular CEO to maybe a not so popular prime minister, <laughs> is that a tenuous link? Am I going to get in trouble for that? Let's uh, move on quickly to Boris Force One. Um, so it seems like every government in the world is getting some nice new airplanes soon. Um, your own Mrs. Merkel has had Merkel Force One delivered recently. Well, no, 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 um, no. She hasn't had it delivered yet. Um, Lufthansa Technic had delivered delivery oh, of it. Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's arrived in it Germany. Actually, yeah. interestingly from this week, that's now being delayed. So um, oh. we I don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but because of coronavirus and all of this, um, we're going to get a delay Maybe she's decided to... to spend the money somewhere else, you know, like uh, on vaccines and uh, COVID testing kits and things like that. But uh, um, anyway, so Air India Force One, um, they've got a new 777 coming in September. Um, and obviously, America is getting the new Air Force Ones. Um, I think that's still a couple of years away, but they're in development. So anyway, my lovely Prime Minister, Mr. Boris Johnson, put his hands up and said, I want one. <laughs> so he's had a VIP transport for the longest time. So he's not getting a new plane. It's just getting a new look. And our VIP transport, it's an A330 based military tanker, which is an air-to-air -air refueling tanker. And it was kitted out under the Cameron administration for VIP movements and its name is Voyager, a bit like uh, Star Trek's <laughs> Voyager. Um, and it transports the Prime Minister as well as ministers, sometimes the royal family. Um, but last year, Mr Johnson said um, that he was annoyed that it was never available because it was always busy doing military stuff. And also, why does it have to be grey? 
<laughs> off he trotted and uh, redesigned our aircraft um, and it popped out of a hangar in Cambridge last week and it looks very different. It's uh, very unique. Um, so if you haven't seen this, we will pop up an, an image on the website with the post that accompanies this podcast. So do have a gander. It's um, as usually a, a white base as all aircraft in Europe have, um, but it's got the big UK flag on the tail fin, which kind of leads into a blue swoosh down the side and then the words united kingdom in gold lettering along the the fuselage um so this is all about keeping up with the joneses really isn't it i mean it's uh, it, it seems a bit ridiculous i think the the biggest divider about it is the fact that it's cost us 900 million pounds um uh, uh, 900,000 pounds sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that would have been uh, really sacrilegious mm. um so that's about um a million dollars which is rather more than it usually costs to repaint a wide body aircraft but perhaps it was having some other bits done i don't know um tom i think you had some interesting thoughts on the uh, the appearance of our new plane didn't you i did it reminded me of that um 2008 eurovision act that we had that was awful with um i won't say it's awful because then i'll get haters that was um contentioned <laughs> Uh, because um, that was the uh, scooch singing, flying the flag uh, with the um, mock-up aircraft interior <laughs> on the stage. Um, it just, I, I just got this vision that this was the aircraft that they were flying in that <laughs> song. Oh, it's had a mixed reaction. I said in my post about it, it's a bit like Marmite, you know, some people are loving it, others absolutely hate it. I think the general feeling from the Avgeek world is it's really quite nice and it's kind of, you know, pretty designed. Uh, no? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm I, not a fan. Um, no, I think there's, there's definitely a mixed reaction there. Yeah. I mean, my big question mark is how are we going to use it as an air-to-air refueling tanker, which is its primary purpose in life? You know, it was grey because then it matches the sky and you yeah. can't see it very well when it's in the sky. Now it's a great big white blob with a big Union Jack on the tail. So mm. Isn't that <laughs> why know, they changed kind of army uniforms from red to a more sort of camouflage colour? Well, yeah, you'd think day. so. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not going to be able to go into um, active war zones looking like that because it mm. uh, guess... marks the spot, really isn't it i guess it won't take too long just to whack a gray paint job on it if it's really needed though i guess but then you know what happened to our million dollar investment in a beautiful livery just put stickers over it oh i suppose so <laughs> anyway yeah do check it out on the website have a look and let us know what you think mm. because uh, we're really intrigued I, I don't think we can well i think tom's made up his mind but i can't really decide if i love it or hate it um i think the gold lettering was a bit of a mistake but that's just me so anyhow i think that's about it for today's podcast so we do hope you enjoyed it and as usual welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.